Hi there folks, I'm Stanley the Siberian. Welcome to Duggar's Bark for your bed and breakfast. So what brings you folks to our city and our super pet friendly hotel? Bonjour Monsieur le Stanley. We are in from my villa in the south of France for the canine search and rescue conference. And if my sense of smell is accurate, which I am sure that it is, you better check on the Labradoodle intern by the microwave in the break room because I believe that he is burning his afternoon treat. Wow. Uh, thanks. That's some Sherlock Holmes level of observation. Amazing. You know, dog. Brittany is one of the top search and rescue dogs in the world. Her nose is seriously registered with the American Kennel Club. She worked at Ground Zero after 9-11, helped the cleanup effort after Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans, and worked a slew of other heroic jobs. She's even been on the Today Show, like, back when people watched it. Before, you know, the whole Carson Daly year. Oh my dog. That's just awesome. Duggar will certainly want to have her on his podcast. The Duggar Podcast is a podcast that uses AI technology to enable Duggar to interview some of the most famous dogs in history, like Brittany. I'm going to give the little bugger a ring and let him know that you've checked in and are here. Thank you, Stanley. We would be honored to take part. I am Riley, and I was on the ground at Ground Zero as well. You may not recognize me, but I was the subject of one of the most iconic photographs of 9-11. So Duggar can get two hero dogs for the price of one. Um, this is a paid appearance, right, Stanley? Well, Brittany, you will have to ask Duggar and his people, some of which of course are animals, about the finances and keep in mind that he's a cheap little Bichon Shih Tzu. Okay, you are checked in. And here's your welcome kit for dogs and your pet-friendly checking guide. It includes a summary of the pet policy, a map of the poo stations on the property, and a QR code to a directory of nearby dog parks and other pet-friendly destinations. Enjoy your stay. Nice. This confirms what we have learned from our searching when we arrived. The poo stations are located on the southwest and northeast sides of the hotel, and the Great Escape Pet Walk, it lies 0.4 miles directly south of the hotel. You know dog. We are search dogs. So we already know a lot of that. But we are also very disciplined. So thanks for this nice summary of the hotel rules. And I will check out the pet-friendly directory during one of the media breakout sessions, like the one called How to Look Seven Times Older on TV. I mean, what's up with that? Thanks. Welcome to the Duggar Dinners History is for the Dogs Podcast. Duggar Podcasts are a production of Duggar Dinners, LLC. Welcome to Episode 2, The Hero Dogs of 9-11, featuring an AI-powered discussion with two of the most famous search and rescue dogs ever, Riley and Brittany. Now, here's our podcast host, a little Bichon Shih Tzu who can take even more naps than Snoopy. It's Duggar. Hi there to all of you history buffs, and particularly to the dog lovers in the group. It's me, Duggar. Marcy, Marcy, Marcy. Hey Duggar, I am right here. I've spent quite a bit of time doing some extra research for today's podcast. I can't wait to meet them both. I remember the photo of Riley against the backdrop of the destruction at Ground Zero. And Brittany, while the name looks like it's French, it's spelled V-R-E-T-A-G-N-E. It is actually pronounced Brittany. She was not only involved in the rescue efforts at Ground Zero, she led tons of search and rescue efforts throughout the U.S. 
The topic for this one is so serious. My dad had me watch a 9-11 video compilation from events in New York City from 8.47 to 10.47 on September 11th. It gave me a really good perspective. That's good to hear. It's a real honor to have Riley and Brittany sit in with us today, and I think there is going to be so much to learn. But these dogs, they've been through a lot, and we have to remember that our listeners have been through a lot too. The 9-11 attacks changed America, and it's something nobody will ever forget. So, as we learn today about the furry heroes of 9-11, let's not forget about the thousands of dedicated humans that were standing right behind them. And the millions more of concerned humans that were also standing with them. Well said, Marcy. And that's really the great thing about our advanced AI technology that enables us to speak directly with some of the most important furry friends in history. We give listeners another way to learn about their stories. Today, the stories of some very heroic dogs through our Duggar podcasts or podcasts. It's a Duggar Dinner's technological miracle. I am fortunate to have Marcy from marketing at my pet solutions company, Duggar Dinners, sitting alongside me for these discussions. Thanks, Duggar. As many of our listeners may not know, Duggar Dinners works with hotels, breweries, and restaurants nationwide to provide pet-friendly solutions. It's for dogs that go out and have a night out, like at a pet-friendly hotel. So as we provide present-day dogs with things like dog treats, shoes and pet bowls, Duggar thought, wouldn't it be interesting to take a look back at some of the great dogs in American history? And that's really led us to this podcast and today's special episode featuring the hero dogs of 9-11. Let's get started. Today, we are going to start out talking with Riley, a really famous dog from Pennsylvania. Riley is a true national hero. He was one of the search and rescue dogs who was called to Ground Zero in New York City on September 11, 2001. There were hundreds of dogs there, and Riley became famous when a picture of him being transported back to his dad went viral. Welcome, Riley. It's great to have a true symbol of the American spirit on our podcast. Thank you, Duggar. It's nice to be here. I don't consider myself all that. I was just doing my job. And our second American dog hero is Brittany. She was one of the youngest dog heroes at Ground Zero and then went on to lead search and rescue efforts in other cities across the U.S. Welcome to the podcast, Brittany. Thanks, Duggar. It's actually really nice to be here. You and Marcy have really given us a hero's welcome, for sure. I'm really eager for this opportunity to learn more about both of you. Thanks, Marcy. And I am excited to try a sample of Duggar Dinner's Trip Treats as well. I love peanut butter. First of all, Riley, tell us all about yourself. What kind of dog are you? I am a golden retriever. My job back in the late 1990s and 2000s was search and rescue. I grew up in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, and my dad, Chris Selfridge, trained me as a pup to be a search and rescue dog. That type of training typically takes two to four years to be really good, and there are tests I was required to pass. Thanks, Riley. So, Brittany, what about you? Tell us a little about you. I am also a golden retriever, and I was just a few years old when I also searched for survivors at Ground Zero. I grew up in the city of Cypress, Texas with my trainer Denise Corliss, who trained me for search and rescue when I was just a pup. 9-11 happened when I was two, and we quickly sprung into action. It's where I met Riley. 9-11 was actually my first real responsibility, and apparently, 
I was so effective that I was later called on to help with rescue efforts for Hurricanes Katrina, Rita, and Ivan. Bow wow! Two heroic golden retrievers! I am in some great company today. So Riley, can you tell our audience which breeds make the best search and rescue dogs? It's your larger dogs. German Shepherds, Labrador Retrievers, and Golden Retrievers are probably the best. Individual dogs are selected and trained. But we must demonstrate a willingness to work despite distractions. We have to go through proper command control. That happens with positive reward reinforcement, such as treats or an opportunity to play with a ball or toy. It sounds like a very exclusive pack. So Riley, I've read that search and rescue dogs play a major role in locating missing people and in criminal investigations. Was that what you did? Yes. I was a member of the Federal Emergency Management Agency's Pennsylvania Task Force 1. We became one of the search and rescue teams in our community of Johnstown. To get called up to work at Ground Zero, you must have been one of the best. Well, that's because of my dad, Chris. I received a lot of praise for my ability to find people. But Dad said that it's really about teamwork. For it to work, you need a human leader and a dog rescuer that work seamlessly together. And it's also a real commitment. He would tell people it's a lifestyle, not a job, and it's a huge, huge commitment. But you know us dogs. Humans are always our job number one. That's really inspiring. Okay, so Riley, let's talk about how you got to New York City just after the attacks. But first, I want to level set everyone on really, the dire straits that the country was in. I found this audio clip on a newsreel. At 8.46, on a grim Tuesday morning in New York City, a plane crashes into the North Tower of the World Trade Center in Manhattan. Minutes later, a second plane crashes into the South Tower. North Americans now begin to realize that this was no accident. Both buildings are set ablaze, trapping hundreds of people in the upper floors. Within two hours, both towering buildings had collapsed. Hundreds of first responders arrived on scene and valiantly risked their lives to save the lives of the workers in the two towers, enlisting the efforts of 300-plus courageous search and rescue dogs. These brave men and women were responding to a coordinated attack on both New York City and our nation's capital. It was a terrorist attack on our country that would ultimately take more than 3,000 lives, most of them at the World Trade Center in New York City. That really sets the stage for this horrifying event. So Riley, you were trained for this. So what happened to you that day? When did you arrive at Ground Zero where the World Trade Center buildings fell? September 11 happened on a Tuesday and my senses told me that something wasn't right that day. My humans were not at their normal jobs, they were at home, watching updates on the news. When I learned this was a real threat on the American way of life, I provided comfort at first, but then dad said we had work to do. He told me we were needed in New York City because the World Trade Center had been destroyed by two planes in a terrorist attack. I then learned about the plane that hit the Pentagon in Washington, D.C., and that Flight 93, which was hijacked and going to be used as a weapon, was brought down just a few miles from our home. So right away, Dad knew we had work to do and he started getting us ready for the trip which takes probably six to seven hours. We were in New York City that night. And your mission was to find victims who were still alive? Yes, well, that is what I was trained for. My job is to find people, but none of us had ever experienced anything like this before. As you can imagine, the destruction was unlike anything any of us had ever seen. Volunteer firefighters, police officers, and rescue workers from around the world rushed to the aid of New York City and Washington, D.C. that day. And Riley, for you, 
it led to a little bit of fame, because a photo of you inspired Americans at a very vulnerable time. So, how did you become famous? On that Saturday, they set up what they called a highline system. The ropes are connected to what they call a Stokes basket, a basket that is used to carry items from one place to another using wires and a basket of some sort. It's basically a trolley system. After a very long day of searching, I was being transported back to Dad. It was different because Dad usually rides with me, but it was too unsafe. But a photographer, U.S. Navy photographer, also a journalist, first-class Preston Kurz, took a picture of me while I was being carried 60 feet above the debris. And that became an iconic picture that was featured in thousands of newspapers and websites across the country. It is such an inspirational photo. Right. It helped highlight the search and rescue efforts, even though it was almost impossible to find anybody alive. And as Duggar mentioned earlier, the photograph went viral in the very early days of the internet. And of course it hit the TV airways at a period of time when everyone was following the news. But you also provided comfort for the rescuers and for our nation through that picture. Right. Reporters called the dogs a ray of sunshine in a bleak landscape. Many times, the rescuers would come to us for comfort. They felt better after petting me or holding me. So, I feel like there were several ways that we contributed and made a difference. Many dog owners were inspired to pursue search and rescue certification because of the images of dogs helping out at Ground Zero. Several search and rescue training organizations had an increase in funding afterwards. Also, because of the publicity, a study of the effects of this kind of work on dogs was done thanks to funding from the AKC Canine Health Foundation. Your dad said he thought you had no way of knowing what you meant to those first responders at the scene. Right. They were doing such heartbreaking work. But when they pet and hug me, I could see them smile and I knew I was providing comfort. How dangerous was it? I mean, you weren't on the back of a fire truck looking for a stupid cat in a tree. You are actively searching in debris from a building that a plane crashed into. There must have been glass, metal objects, and sharp edges everywhere. Yes. After we were finished at Ground Zero, we went to the PennVet Working Dog Center in Philadelphia where Dr. Cynthia Otto examined us. Most of us had cuts and scrapes on our paw pads, legs, and bellies. Some of us suffered from fatigue and heat exhaustion, like a real hero dog named Tracker. So, Riley, you ended up working there searching and rescuing for 10 days, 12 hours at a time, and you never found a living victim. How frustrating was that for you? It was very frustrating, Marcy. It was easy to lose your motivation to search. Sometimes the humans had to stage mock finds so that we could feel like we were successful and give us that treat or toy. When we train, we always get a reward, and I appreciated those little reminders every once in a while that I was doing my job. My dad told me all of the time that I was doing my job, but it was so overwhelming. But you also assisted in finding those who had lost their lives? The victims, right? Right, Marcy. We still had to find as many of the victims of this awful tragedy as we could. There is a term for dogs that are trained specifically to find people that are no longer alive. They are called cadaver dogs. And at some point, we all kind of turned into cadaver dogs, even though that wasn't what we were trained for. I never had a lot of formal cadaver dog training, at least not like some of my friends who are experts at that, but I knew it was important to find the victims as well. So I did my best. Normally, when I found a victim, I would bark to alert dad and the first responders that someone was alive and needed help. But when I found a victim who wasn't alive, I would just point the ground to let them know. Wow. 
That is really two weeks of very intense work. So Brittany, I read that you also worked long hours 12-hour shifts for two weeks at Ground Zero. And like Riley, you were also instrumental not only in helping search the wreckage, but also in providing support and comfort to the first responders. The firefighters and other rescue workers broke my puppy heart. And yes, my mom told reporters that I would often abruptly leave her side to go comfort someone who was having a bad day. It's just what I do, I can't really explain it. Very interesting, you began training as an eight-month-old pup for search and rescue tasks, and you ended up working at other natural disasters, right? Hurricanes and tornadoes are devastating, not just in the damage they do to the houses we live in with our parents, but also because they separate families and their pets. So in those cases, dogs like me and Riley are brought in to find the living victims that are trapped in crannies and voids created by collapsing houses and buildings. Unfortunately, what we cannot help is connecting lost pets with their families. That's such a big issue during a disaster. You guys are so heroic. But I understand it was really a team effort and that there were other heroic stories about incredible canines and a great story about one dog in particular, Tracker. Let's talk about those other dogs for a bit. After a short break. Welcome to the Oh My Dog segment of our podcast, where it's awesome how Duggar always seems to discover something unexpected that none of us knew from his special guests. And at Duggar Dinners, we work diligently with our hotel and Airbnb partners to make sure that there is nothing unexpected for their pet-friendly guests. We offer a welcome kit for dogs, the first solution of its kind in the nation, and we provide additional welcome services, like a pet-friendly check-in guide that summarizes pet policies, a pet-friendly directory for nearby places to go with your pet, and more. Next time you stay at a pet-friendly hotel, ask them why they aren't making their location more pet-friendly by working with Duggar Dinners. Now back to our program. Okay, back to our very important discussion with two of the furry heroes of 9-11. I am learning a lot, and I am not easy to train. So, Riley, how many other dogs reported to Ground Zero that week? There were about 300 of us, which was the largest deployment of dogs in the nation's history, and we helped the 10,000 humans on hand. A variety of breeds joined the rescue efforts, including German Shepherds, Golden Retrievers, Belgian Shepherds, Labrador Retrievers, Border Collies, Portuguese water dogs, Doge de Bordeaux, rat terriers, and Keys hounds, to name a few. Our task force in Pennsylvania was one of 28 teams established by FEMA. I was there from September 11 through September 19. We worked 12-hour shifts and most of us spent about 10 days there. The first dog arrived just 15 minutes after the first tower collapsed. And that dog, the first dog to arrive at Ground Zero was named Apollo. Apollo was a German Shepherd who graduated from the New York Police Department Canine Special Operations Division. He was one of New York City's top dogs throughout the 1990s and worked with the first New York Canine Urban Search and Rescue Team. Apollo arrived just 15 minutes after the South Tower collapsed. He was nearly killed by falling debris and fires. But before he went in, he was drenched in a pool of water, and so he survived. He was a workhorse, or to put it in dog terms, a bulldog. He worked 18 hours a day for weeks. He was one of the first honorees of the AKC Humane Fund Awards for Canine Excellence. Excellent insight, Brittany. And remember Sage. She worked at the Pentagon after the attacks. 
She was a Border Collie and was ranked as one of the top 50 dogs in the search and rescue field in the USA. She also worked Hurricanes Rita and Katrina and then was deployed to Iraq in 2007. She also served as a children's hero at a cancer camp. Her story is unique because she found the cadaver of one of the terrorists that flew the plane into the building. Those are all good dogs, very good dogs. And there were so many heroic efforts by your partners and paws. But Riley, what about Tracker? Ah, uh, what a hero. Well, one of my friends, a retired police dog named Tracker, played a part in the last human to be found alive at Ground Zero. This could be an entire paw cast on its own. His dad, James Symington, was a Canadian policeman from Nova Scotia, Canada, who drove 15 hours to help with the rescue efforts. During the morning of September 12th, the day after the attack, Tracker found something. It was a live hit, indicating some signs of life under the rubble. Firefighters confidently dug in the spot and found Janelle Guzman McMillan buried under 30 feet of unstable debris. Guzman had climbed from the 64th floor of the South Tower and was on the 13th floor when it collapsed. She was trapped for about 26 hours when she was finally saved. She said she owed her life to Tracker. Wow, really? That's incredible. Tracker worked so hard, but he collapsed from smoke inhalation, exhaustion and burns the day later. Time magazine awarded Tracker the sixth spot on their published list of top 10 heroic animals of all time. And here is an interesting caveat about Tracker and his hero dad. They took unpaid leave without getting permission from their department in Nova Scotia. Someone from their department saw them during the search effort on television. They were actually suspended for a short period of time for helping in the New York rescue efforts. All for dogs' sake. And they saved a life. Yet another example of why dogs are way more popular than people. So, Brittany, you have definitely become a poster puppy for search and rescue dogs. You have been featured in news articles and on TV. Tell us about your life in the spotlight. So, I made national news when I returned to Ground Zero at the age of 15 for the first time since our work ended some 13 years earlier. I attended a memorial event at the 9-11 Memorial and was interviewed by NBC News' Tom Brokaw. Boy, could I have really used the Duggar AI technology back then. I have done many appearances on TV, including the Today Show, and I have been fortunate to win a number of honors for my bravery from great organizations like the American Humane Society. Oh yeah, and I got a little bit of press because I like to carry bags of treats around with me to remind my mom that I was a good girl and that I deserved a treat. It works. I will try that. Not gonna happen. Once Duggar gets a hold of a bag of dog treats, it's open in five seconds, it is something to behold. Sorry Duggar. Okay, so Brittany, you retired at age nine, but you really didn't. You started working at an elementary school, serving as a support dog for kids who had a hard time reading. It was such a great way to serve out my latter years. And when I finally passed away at age 16, they draped my body in an American flag as I was taken out of the animal hospital. Then, they had a big parade in my hometown in Texas that featured firefighters and other first responders. It was really a great honor to be recognized as the last surviving 9-11 rescue dog. Oh, my dog! How appropriate! And Riley, unfortunately, your work at Ground Zero affected your health, is that correct? Yes, I had a physical in December 2006, but I started to not feel well after that. I had a lot of problems with my skin, which the veterinarians attributed to my work at Ground Zero. In February 2007, they found a mass in my abdomen. 
They did surgery to remove the mass on February 24, but I never recovered. I crossed the Rainbow Bridge on February 2007. Your dad posted a heartfelt message on social media to announce the news. On February 26, Riley passed away. He was our family pet, my friend and partner. Riley was 13 in November. He lived a good life and taught me many lessons during his time with me. He will be greatly missed. I love you, Bob. Chris Selfridge, 2007. Yeah, I guess that's a Pennsylvania thing everybody's kid is called Bob. So, we always end our podcasts in the same way. You know the comment about rescued dogs and whether the human rescued the dog or the other way around. We like to ask the dogs, so who rescued who? Duggar, I have this one. Brittany. Riley. We really want to sincerely thank you for your service during one of our country's lowest points ever. You not only performed tasks that we humans can't, you brought comfort to a group of volunteers who were doing one of the hardest jobs that we have asked of any American in our history. You guys rescued us. No doubt about it. Every victim that you helped uncover brought some great sense of closure to their friends and families. Your contribution during those several weeks after 9-11 is immeasurable. Thank you so much. Thank you for that, Marcy. You are really on point with that great tribute. Thank you, Riley, for your service as a search and rescue dog and for your efforts at Ground Zero. You brought a lot of attention to the Ground Zero rescue workers, both dogs and humans, and your story is inspiring. And thank you for all of your service, Brittany. You have touched so many lives in so many states with your presence, and you truly represent the valor of search and rescue dogs everywhere. Thank you, Duggar, for having both me and Brittany. We enjoyed having our voices heard thanks to your AI podcast technology. Thanks, Duggar. It was an honor. Oh, wow! That is a wrap on a great podcast episode, where we really got a chance to learn from two very brave dogs who served such an important role at one of the most important moments in U.S. history. Thanks, everybody! Thank you for tuning in to meet Duggar and learn about some of his famous furry friends. The Duggar Podcast is a production of Duggar Dinners, LLC. The series was created by Ken Barlow, produced by Colin Larson, and inspired by Duggar, a real Bichon Frise Shih Tzu mix that lives in Indianapolis with Ken. Episodes were written by Kevin Barlow and edited by Ken Barlow and Colin Larson. Original music created and performed by Colin Larson. Visit our website at www.duggardinners.com so you can learn more about our pet-friendly solutions. Be sure to recommend Duggar Dinners to your favorite pet-friendly destination. Now back to thinking about pet-friendly solutions and napping. A quick note about content in the Duggar podcast. While we have based our unauthorized accounts on research using reliable sources, Keep in mind that we may have embellished certain elements of the story, like Riley's dislike for Carson Daly or Brittany's villa in the south of France strictly for entertainment purposes.